Welcome to Guest of the Year. I'm the host. My name's Mike. This week's prize pack is provided by former Guest of the Year champ Jocelyn's Etsy shop, By Jocelyn. By Jocelyn features tie-dye garments and shirts with beautiful designs on them, both dead-centric and not. Jocelyn's impeccable taste permeates each design. Thanks so much to Jocelyn for doing the prize pack. You can check out her shop via the link in the show notes. All right, here's how the game works. We'll play the first part of a Grateful Dead live track, and each contestant will use the messaging system to silently guess which year the performance is from. Contestants who are all on a video conference together can message in their guesses at any time during the clip or in the 10 seconds after it concludes. Whoever is furthest from the correct year is eliminated. The last two deadheads standing will hear three tracks, and who's ever closest to the correct year over the three songs will advance to the semifinals. We'll meet the deadheads in a moment, but first, without further ado, the Grateful Dead. It's a few wings, baby, down under the bed. Then you head back to Tennessee Tennessee, Tennessee, there ain't no place I'd rather be. guesses are in it was tennessee jed at the greek theater in berkeley california on may 22nd 1982 three people got 1982 nate cooper and garen garen is 50 from brooklyn he won episodes 26 and 27 garen that's a really nice pull on an early 80s track how'd you figure out 82 um jerry sounded like a little grizzled so you know right away i'm like it's 80s um you know we had brent in there of course that's what i'm focusing on right away really first thing is keyboard tones for me generally but it just had 80s written all over it it was just a little bit sloppy like high energy but a little bit sloppy and just loosey goosey early 80s dead all the tones were there so how did you narrow it down from early 80s to exactly 82 uh, something about that piano tone, because um, like in in like eighty, Brent was using um, like Rhodes a lot, and that was more of like an electric piano kind of sound. Had you could actually hear the percussive hit of the keyboard, you know. And Phil's bass was just really round and unprocessed sounding. You know, there was no MIDI in there at all. No, not not a lot of digital stuff going on. So, great, you're on to the next round, Garen. Uh, joining you is Nate. Nate is uh, 22 from York, Pennsylvania. He won episodes 9 and 10. Nate, anything you want to add to Garen's breakdown there? Um, no, nah, pretty spot on. Um, I knew it was early 80s by the, the the low Brent, and but I knew it wasn't 79, 80. Uh, I don't know the keyboards as well as Garen does, but I could tell it just, it just sounds a little bit more, a little rougher around the edges compared to like, a 79 80 early with brent they're kind of just letting it all hang out and it screamed a little bit later early 80s so i went with 82 so they're playing looser than when he just joined the band yeah like he's a little more comfortable he's not like trying to hit the hit the melodies as they're written he's like kind of doing his own thing a little more now Ooh, i like that awesome nate you're on the next round as is cooper who's 21 from deep river connecticut he won episode eight he had a heroic run on the uh, team's tournament recently. Cooper, welcome back. You also guessed 82. Why 82? Thank you. Yeah, uh, for me, it was um, similar for Garen where um, I kind of had to listen in and Brent was the giveaway. It's like those first three or four years of the 80s, it seems like he's like switching up his keyboard sound each year. 
And 82 is the one where like, he has that kind of flat sounding piano and it kind of gets on my nerves. Um, and I was glad to see um, the episode, the dead cast. It also gets on uh, Charlie Miller's nerves as well, because they had him on there for the, um, the Madison square garden box set. And he was like, yeah, I can't stand that dead piano. So uh, I wouldn't say I can't stand it, but that was the giveaway. Cause that's the one year where I listened to that. And I'm like, that's not really doing it for me. All hail Charlie Miller. Cool. Cooper, you're uh, you're on to the next round as is Marty who guessed 83. Dean is odd man out at 85. I'm sorry, Dean. Let's go to Marty. Marty is the victor of the Bad Connection Redemption Bracket. Ironically, the Bad Connection Redemption Bracket was marred with miscommunications and bad connections, uh, <laughs> but that made it uh, not really a full episode. But Marty won. He is here, and he is on to the next round. Marty is 57 from Yonkers. Marty, one year off at 83. Your connection seems strong. Why 83. I was waffling actually between late 80s because of Jerry's kind of, you know, rough voice and early 80s, which kind of sent me that way because of Brent's playing. So uh, it brought me back down there. And, you know, 82, 83, you know, that was kind of, uh, you know, where I was, you know, starting to see shows on a regular basis, though I surely wasn't at the Greek. Um, but, you know, it was it was where I was at the time when I really got into it. So uh, I kind of felt like I was, you know, back in the beginning for me. We're on the next round, Marty. Dean won episode 22. He's 63 from Los Altos, California. Why 85? Um, I was kind of thinking 82, 83. And then at the last second, I just changed my, changed my year. And second guessing yourself never seems to be a good thing in this game, you know? Was there like a deceptive clue that led you astray? Not really, but um, to me, the ha- the sound was a little, it wasn't really balanced super well and um, seemed like kind of kind of a lot of highs or something. Um, so it wasn't as crisp and clear as I was as, as to hear everything. And I saw a lot of shows around 82. I didn't go to that one, uh, but quite a few on the East, on the West Coast then. I find myself listening to a lot of those Greek theater shows in the early 80s. Did you attend any of those? I did. Like the next year, I happened to be visiting in town to run the Beta Breakers race in San Francisco. Oh, no, no. I was in town to go see the dead. And then my friend said, hey, you want to run this race across San Francisco the next day? I go, sure. So I went to the dead shows. And then uh, I think it's Sunday morning. I ran Beta Breakers across town and then went to another show. Did you really run the beta breakers or was it kind of like a hungover jog? Not running fast. That's for sure. <laughs> well, Dean, we appreciate you coming back. And now at least you can go all in rooting for your son, Jeremy, to win it all. He's a musician of the family. I'm definitely going to root for him. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks a lot, Dean. So Garen Cooper, Marty, and Nate are on to the next round. Let's go to song number two. Guesses are in. It was Loose Lucy. 
at Boston Garden on June 28, 1974. So Cooper and Garen got it. Cooper, how'd you diagnose 1974? So I was thinking, I was racking my brain for what album that song is on. And they just came out with the um, Week of the Flood, Angel's Share. And I was like, okay, I know it's not there. That's got to be on um, whatever the next one is, Mars Hotel. But every other version of Loose Lucy that I've heard from that period, they slow it down. Kind of like they do Friend of the Devil. Not to the same level, but that one was awesome. I had never heard them play it like fast like they do the studio version. So I was like, it's got to be you know fresh off of when they, uh, when they wrote it and when they released it. Nicely said. Garen, you also nailed 1974. What'd you hear there? It sounded like sort of a um, early version, like they were still working it out. Um, it sounded a lot like the wall of sound to me. There's some really distinctive um, sonic attributes of the wall of sound, uh, the way the microphones sound. Yeah, I mean, I would already pretty much narrowed it down to 73 or 74 just because of the sound of it. So I can really pick out those um, wall of sound years nate and uh marty both guessed 73 so everyone's on to the next round nate why 73 um there's really only two options there it's 73 or 74 given when the song came out on the mars hotel um i went 73 just because i swore they played it the whole year and it sounded early and I I thought there might be more of a sample size than 74 because they take hiatus in October. So I figured maybe I'll get a couple more months out of 73. So really just playing the game. I figured something like this might happen. We'd all kind of be jumbled around the same two years. Nate, your um, recollection of uh, dates is up there with the top uh, guest year contestants. Very well done. Yeah, I might uh, not be I might not be uh, <laughs> as good at the music as other people. Cooper and Garen here, like, whew, they're like, they're calling stuff out that I would never get, but I got the timeline. That's it's more historical where where people are when they play certain songs. That helps. That helps as well, especially in the '60s, which no one gets. Like you've got the TC range down, you've got the Mickey dates down. Very well done, as always, Nate. Uh, Marty also gets '73. Anything you want to add to the '73 breakdown? Ditto everybody. I mean, it, it had to be '73, '74, and I just went with the. Uh... 73 is that's one of my favorite years right on well on to round three with the same four let's play the third song Guesses are in My Brother Esau at Madison Square Garden on September 16th, 1987. Garen was the only one who got it. How'd you diagnose 1987? Well, I think that most of the In the Dark material was debuted in 82 or 83. So that's your starting point. Uh, Mickey was pretty heavy on the cowbell, which is something he was doing at that time period. A lot of, you know, more cowbell. There was always more <laughs> cowbell. Um, and uh, Bobby was playing that slide and uh, had sort of a loose feel, felt like a big room. 
You're on the next round, Garen. Next closest was Cooper. Cooper gets 1986. Y86. This is like one of my favorite. Um, it's not a forgotten song, but like it's like one of my favorites that didn't make it to like the super hot like 89, 90 period. I wish it did because I love that song. But um, so I was thinking the earlier version. There are some lyrics that are different. He says something about like real estate in LA and like the earlier versions in the like 83, 84. And this definitely sounds like they had the song more together than the ones in 83 where he's like, you know, Bob is just trying to figure out the words. Um, so it sounded like they had it together. And then I kind of just hedged it with 86 because um, I was thinking if it was an earlier version, you know, I wouldn't want to be way out on 87. But thinking about it, it definitely sounded more like 87 because 86 is like very sort of crackly. It seems like most of the recordings I've heard um, just aren't as uh, full sounding as that one was. But I love that song. Love it. Really? You're an Esau truther? I am, yeah. I uh, I, I think it would have been, been cool if Dead & Co. had busted that one out. I know that uh, Bobby plays it with Wolf Rose, but um, I just, I, something about it, I just think it's so quirky, so Bob. And I like that, like, just that way they come into it and Brent on the on the organ is just, love it. I love this tune, too. It's I, I totally agree with your sentiment about it. It's just this weird black sheep or something of the repertoire, you know? that had a very short shelf life for some reason. And Bob Bob often complains that with certain songs that would go away that he just felt like he couldn't deliver the lyrics. He didn't really understand what the song was about. It is a very odd lyric. It's like this allegory about, what is it, his brother in Vietnam. And there's one quote where he was like, I was, I was on stage just going, what the fuck am I singing about? You know, so I know that he, he struggled with that. There were other songs through the years that did that too, like... Um, Black-throated wind, he put aside for a long time, and and other ones, and tried to rewrite the lyrics. And I think the new version of Esau has some different lyrics too. I don't know. Yeah, he um but. he changed the year, like the way he plays it with like Rat Dog and Wolf Roses. He says year two thousand nine instead of nineteen sixty nine. He's always changing stuff around like that. But um, uh, but yeah, no, I I love that one. Definitely a black sheep for sure. Does Gratefully Yours bust that one out, Garen? We do, we do do that. Yep. And people are people are always like, "What? Oh, wow!" You know, not many people are hoping a dead cover band plays that. No, but, but I love yeah. that. Just to have something, you know, beyond the core set list—that's just awesome that you guys throw that in there. Yeah, yeah. So Marty guessed eighty-five, and Nate guessed nineteen ninety. So Marty's on to the next round. Nice work, Marty. Why'd you guess eighty-five? Well, my brother Esau is actually my favorite dead song, and I've seen it. I think six or seven times, which, you know, they did play it a lot, but um, that's a lot for, you know, that song because they didn't play it all the time. Uh, and it wasn't in heavy rotation. Um, but to me, the, it sounded like it was from SPAC. And, you know, just that echoey sound. And, uh, you know, it, I knew it wasn't from when they first broke it out because it was very, you know, kind of falling apart in the beginning. And it sounded like it was definitely getting better. Um, I didn't think it was that late 87 when they kind of, you know, shelved it. It, it is one of those great songs. And I love it when a, when a tribute band does My Brother Esau. I mean, that, that just goes to show you you're digging deep. And, you know, it's a funky tune. It definitely got very funky at the end. And, you know, like Cooper said, I wish it had gotten a little further because it really could have gotten really funky. So if My Brother Esau is your favorite song, what's your second favorite song? Stella Blue. Hmm. So Stella Blue over the dew. Yeah, I mean, I love, listen, I love it all. I mean, <laughs> let's face it. I mean, no, you know, no. I don't, there's not many songs I can say, ah, I'd rather do without it. But, um, but Stella Blue, again, I mean, it, it, it kills me. I mean, every time it just, and, and when O'Teal does it with Dead & Company, forget it. I'm just... You know, I'm, I'm like a bottle. You're on the next round, Marty. Nice work. Nate, you guessed 1990. Yeah, why 1990? Yeah, I feel like the odd man out here. I'm, uh, I wouldn't call this anywhere close to my favorite song. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> Someone had to zig back to the, the mean here. All right, let's hear it. I just, I, I don't listen to barely any 84 to 86. And I've been trying to edge my way into it, trying to push the 82, 83, 88, 87. And so I actually was listening to 87 the other day and heard this song. And so I was considering guessing 87 because I had just heard 80, but I figured that would be a dumb move. Apparently not. Um, and so I couldn't really, I, so I went back to the keys and I was trying to figure out if there was, if it was Brent 
or if it was kind of around the transition period because I'm not familiar with this song really at all and wasn't sure if they kept playing it like sparingly apparently not um but I thought there might be a chance I heard two different key tones in there so I guess 90 just to be close in case it was Bruce and Vince for some reason but they just not familiar at all with mid 80s or particularly like in the dark album songs uh so kind of just hit my weakness here uh i was close but no cigar on this one what compels you to check out the mid 80s is it personal edification trying to do better i guess the year or just curiosity or like guilt for not listening to a time period um well sometimes sometimes i think i just listen to the same stuff too much and so like if I were to think, I sometimes just think about it from an outsider's perspective. If they looked at me listening to uh, like 60s up until 71 every day, all only that, like I could see that being a problem. So I've been trying to branch out, like I'll always do my 60s show of the day and then I'll try to slip in one other just random, whether it's late 70s, whether it's 80s, 90s, um, just trying to expand my my musical breadth. Great answer. Nate, your guest of your fan favorite. Appreciate you coming back yet again. We'll uh, obviously we'll have you back on soon. Thank you. Yeah, good luck, everyone. All right. We've got uh, Cooper, Marty, and Garen competing for two spots in the finals. Let's hear the next song. Can't talk to you without talking to me. We're guilty of the same old thing. Thinking a lot about listening and forgetting the love we bring. Guesses are in. It was Althea at Soldiers and Sailors Memorial Hall in Kansas City, everyone's favorite venue, on December 11th, 1979. Cooper was closest, 1980. Why 1980? So first, I just got to say, Phil was digging in. And as someone who plays bass, that was making me very happy. So I'll be going back. And I think I've heard that show before. My uncle has gave me all of his old CDs. And so I, I believe that that's one of them. But I was... I'm guilty of playing the game because um, something that Garen had noted earlier with that super bell, like percussive belly um, roads. I was like, I know that that was a thing he had in 79 and also moved in 81. So I was like, we're going to split it straight down the middle because, um, you know, that's just, um, I thought would be my best bet. But I do think that, that, that super pointy sounding bass was more prominent in 79. So when Phil's digging deep like that, what percentage of that is the mix? What percentage of it is Phil like digging deep? So I, I did not have a ton of experience with playing live, so I don't really I don't really know. I just know that if I was right there, I would be a very very happy guy. And um, you know, it hasn't quite hasn't quite gotten to that level the times that I've seen him at the cap. I mean, you know, it's it's different, and he's older now. But there were um, the last time I saw him back in March when they had Rick from uh, from Goose, there were a couple um, big bombs that I felt right in my press cavity and made me very happy. So. Cool. Well, Marty and Garen both guessed 81. 
Garen, why 81? You know, to choose 79 for some of that material is a risk because I, some of it was debuted then. And I, I thought to myself, I think some of it was 80 onward. I know, you know, that's definitely the hot and heavy period for those tunes, you know, 79 to 83 or whatever, that, that go to heaven material. But I was like, I thought to myself, the album arrangement of Althea is much faster than that. It's like, bump, 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 boom, but you know. And so that was like super heroined out, so slow. And so in my, to my way of thinking, that pr particular progression, something going from perky and fast to slower and more opioid, opioided, <laughs> would be as time progressed, not the other way around. I mean, generally, that's the way it works with Jerry. Like he generally, over time, things get slower, not faster. But, you know, to your point about Phil and how you have that sound, I think a lot of you know, how you get these particular sounds. How, why does Phil sound so huge on that particular tape and stuff? I mean, it has everything to do with what the source of the tape is. That sounded to me like a matrix, if not a, a complete board. I'm not sure. Uh, I think it was a board, yeah. Okay, it just sounded like there was a really hot direct signal coming right from his amp, you know, and you, you hear a lot of that f fret noise, you know, that's a lot of that, that growly, and you can hear his pick on the, almost hitting the pickup kind of thing, you know? So, yeah, it sounds like you're sitting right in front of him. Well, you live to fight another day, Garen, because Marty also guessed 1981. Marty, what were you hearing there? Well, I was struggling with the bass as well, trying to figure out where that fit in in the years. And I don't know if it was just that version of the song where he just was pounding out and where it was in the set, perhaps, where he was just digging deep um but uh, i knew it was an early version um it definitely wasn't the more perkier version as garen you know brought out when they you know recorded it and it did become a more perkier version and uh i just I, it felt early so you know i i kind of guessed 81 i didn't think it was 79 because you know that was like right when brent got in the band and you know, it sounded too good, actually. I hate to say it that way, but, you know, it sounded very well done, probably because they might have just been in the studio. Um, and uh, it just sounded, you know, more more progressive than it was if it was, you know, just starting. Cool. Same situation to the next song. Fillmore East in New York City on November 16th, 1970. The closest was Marty. He guessed 1969. Marty, why 69? You know, I was going with 70. <laughs> I really was. I, I And I was going to say it was Fillmore. Um, 
I, I don't know what made me go down to 69. I think it was the sound of Pigpen's voice. Um, I think it sounded really strong. That's it. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say about it. It was it was definitely 69, 70, you know, that sound. Well, Marty, it was a heroic effort, but unfortunately, these zombies both guessed 1968, so you've not killed either of them. Cooper, why 68? There's a, a great other one that's from 69 that's on the So Many Roads box set, and that was like, that's the one that I think of when I think of the early, um, like, the other one of that time period. I, I knew you were going to throw some shit in here like this, like that was like, you know, <laughs> at it. Um, but so I guess what I forget is that the band still had that like frantic, frantic from the case of the other one, not for all songs, but that super like primal feral energy, even in 1970, when then they go to the studio and then they're like, let's write Box of Rain, and Broke Down Palace, you know, like, it, so I guess it's just the contrast of, of live um, versus, you know, you start to think of them writing songs like Dire Wolf and stuff um, going into the, um, into the early 70s, but but that was a great, that was a great one. Cooper, that is an awesome observation, just about, you know, reconciling Primal Dead in an era that's more melodic. Awesome, awesome. Darren, anything you want to add to the 68 breakdown? Well, more than 70 breakdown, it was such an interesting year. There's that show, that Harper College show, that to me, like, personifies what you guys are talking about. It's like this, like, raging psychedelic shit, and then these ballads and the country stuff side by side. I mean, they shed a lot of the more psychedelic stuff the years went by, but that sort of study and contrast became the way they constructed their shows for the rest of their career, you know? And that really started in 1970 when Jerry started introducing those, uh, those simpler tunes. Okay. Same situation. Samson and Delilah, Rupp Arena, Lexington, Kentucky, April 21st, 1978. Cooper and Garen both got it. Marty's fantastic run comes to an end. Garen, what were we here and why 78? Um, so that song was played like every second show in 1977 when it was introduced. I mean, that was, if you look at the set list from that time period, the people complain about now. I mean, there were a lot of repeats. Um, there were some repeats even from night to night and Bobby, he didn't have, you know, as many tunes. So they were, they were slogging some of those things a lot, estimated profit, Samson and Delilah, you know, a lot every couple of nights. And I, I bring that up just because that version to, to me seemed uh, a little looser, a little bit more like they've been playing this tune a lot for the last couple of years. You know what I mean? It just felt a little tossed together. It's not like one of those ultra tight versions. And I was waiting to hear Jerry's solo to really make my final decision, and it cut off right, right as he's about to start, because he, he had this really super raw 78 distortion sound that he used to use. It got you know harsher and fucking more dug in as the time went on. So do you prefer 78 to 77? 
78 is inconsistent, but it's when it's on, it's really on, you know, um, in my opinion. 77, I know it's everybody, you know, lauds 77, and there's so much to love there, but to my ears, it's a little bit um, consonant. It's it's not, I like dirty, I like a little sloppy, I like ragged, I like to feel like they're on the edge of falling apart sometimes, and 77 was just like almost perfection, and I think, you know, people respond to that. Yeah. Cool. You're on to the finals, Garen. Joining you is Cooper. Cooper, you also pulled the 78. How did you distinguish it from probably 77, I'm guessing? For me, it was um, definitely sort of what Garen outlined with like um, 78 just has that edge that 77 doesn't necessarily have. I believe that's also 78 is when Jerry um, went back in and brought um, Wolf back in um, to be used. At least that's what I'm picturing him using like you know, Egypt and everything like that. 78 is not a year I listen to a ton. Um, usually, like, if I want to get gritty, I go 80s. I feel like Brent, I just like Brent's gritty more than I like, like, um, you know, Keith was super quiet in this. It was very hard to see him. His piano just wasn't as bright sounding at the end to me. Not for everything, but just for um for certain things. So for this one, I was like, okay, we hear Donna. Keith is low. Um, and Bob is shouting. So I was like, all right, I just think uh, I think 78 is what has all, all those things. Nicely done. Marty. You went from the Bad Connection Redemption bracket to song seven of the song six of the uh, Tournament of Champions against some of the stiffest competition guests of the year in the greater Grateful Dead internet has to offer. Congratulations. Why did you go for 77? Well, I'll tell you, I had 78 originally, and I was listening for Jerry's as well, Jerry's lead. And as it was fading out, I thought it sounded clean. And I said, oh, that's 77. And I went erased eight and put seven in and hit enter. And that was my, uh, I mean, they, they, like Garen said, they played that song. Whew, God, I mean, so much. It was, it's crazy, but uh, you know, it's hard to pick, you know, really it's so, you know, I, I love listening to everybody's, you know, dissection of every song. It just, it's so amazing how all of us have our different ways of pulling songs apart and figuring out, you know, where this came from and who sounded this way and that way. It's, it's just, an, it, it, it's, an, I can't think of any other band that you would do this with, you know, I mean, you know, even like the Allman Brothers or something like that. I don't know if I could, you know, you maybe could pick years, but uh, you know, decades perhaps, but not, uh, not individual years, I don't think, but I just love this. I, I appreciate being able to get on again. And uh, this was just uh, fantastic. I wish you guys both the best. It was a pleasure having you on, Marty. I know you put on Dead events. Do you have any you want to plug? Well, we do uh, a dead, what we call Deadville at the Bitter End, uh, the last Tuesday of every month. So uh, you know, come down any any Tuesday, last Tuesday of a month, and you'll see great Grateful Dead music. Garen's played there before with Gratefully Yours a couple of times, and uh, you know, which I'm trying to bring in some newer bands that I haven't brought in before. Um, we also have a, a kind of a house band, I'll call it. Uh, the Ripple All-Stars, and uh, they play uh, the second Wednesday of the month at the Bitter End as well. So if you're uh, wanting to see some Grateful Dead music, Bitter End has two nights dedicated a month. Uh, come on down and uh, check us out. So good, to, so good to chat again, Marty. Thanks for coming on. Okay, Cooper and Garen are on to the finals. Again, uh, it's three songs. You want to be as few years off as possible, obviously, over the three songs. It's an aggregated score. Let's start the finals. Oh, 
the guesses are in. It was a Jack Haro song that I wish I could play every week, but that's not the way it works in Guess of the Year. At Hampton Coliseum on March 5th, 1992. So Garen was closer. He guessed 1991. He's one point off. Uh, Coop guessed 1990. So he got two points on that one. We'll start with Garen. Uh, why 1991? Bruce on piano. Like, it's not my favorite time period because it's very, to my ear, it's very cluttered. There's so much going on, so much overplaying. Jerry sounds a little nasally. Um, and, you know, Bruce had pretty, I thought Bruce had sort of, was it 92 the year that he sort of left? Or was that 93? No, he left I, in 92, yeah. Yeah, so so I thought, I thought to myself, well, it can't be 92 because he left, but I guess he played some shows in 92, so that must have been one of them. Um, yeah, so that was sort of my way of thinking. Great. Cooper, you guessed 1990. Why 90? At first, playing didn't sound like Brent in terms of the actual playing, but um, what Bruce was using where it wasn't like, sometimes Bruce has that beautiful sort of grand piano sound that you also get from Keith. This was not that. This sounded like he was playing on something that was a different type of keyboard. It was not um, necessarily the big grand piano. So that's where I thought it hurt, you know, sounded like Brent, but I think it would have sounded... Um, um, a little bit tighter if it was Brent. And then also I did hear that keyboard clutter there at the end. So I went with 90 because I thought it could have also been um, them struggling to accommodate the keys in fall of 90 uh, going into that new period. It was a good sneaky one. Very sneaky. Someone emailed me the other day, told me to do like the 86 Bruce show or something. I was like, dude, that's Brutal. so fucked up. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was on accordion at that point, so I don't know. That would have been yeah. easy. Oh, yeah. Same with uh, yeah. Yeah. Like the Carter Finley one from 90. He's, he's on accordion, yeah. Okay. Cooper's got two points. Garen's got one. Uh, so Garen is up by one point. We have two songs left. Let's play the next song. Rider at the Cleveland Music Hall on March 3rd, 1981. Cooper was closer. He guessed 1980. Garen guessed 1979. Cooper, what'd you hear there? So what immediately made me think of um, is the May, it's like May 16th, 17th, 1980. The, they did a release, uh, Go to Nassau, I think is what it's called. And that was what it sounded the closest to. I was like, fuck, you know, it could be 81, but I was like, I'm just going with what I know. It sounds like it could be a cousin of the show that I was thinking of. Um, and so I just stuck it in 1980. It's tough because, you know, 79, 80, and 81, you know, Jerry's using the same guitar the whole way through. Those are really three really tough years, I think. So, again, great uh, great pick. Well, thanks. I'm kind of drilling you guys with the turn of the decade there. Um, 
Garen uh, guessed 1979, and he's shaking his head. What were you thinking, Garen? Yeah, it's just it's all the years combined, as they say. Um, the, I guess the reason I veered towards Brent, it being Brent's first year, was uh, well, it was mellower than I associate uh, 80s. I know you writers. That was pretty laid back. So I took a risk. Well, uh, it's three three going into the final song. But before we do that, um, Garen, what's going on with uh, Queer Deadheads and Gratefully Yours? Um, well, Gratefully Yours, we have had a really busy summer, and we're continuing on through the fall. We're playing a lot, which is very cool. Uh, we just did a three night run. We're sort of like challenging ourselves to do like three or four night runs without any repeats. So um, we just fin- finished one of those. And we don't have a set list, as I've told you, Mike, before. So that's also like, it's not like we're sitting backstage going line item, trying to construct this stuff meticulously. We're just remembering from night to night and just making our way through it. So so anyway, that's really cool. And um, Queer Deadheads, just, there was just this big gathering in Catskill, New York, actually, and um, a band that was sort of the predecessor to Gratefully Yours called The Deadbeats. Um were sort of the house band for this event and uh, i actually played guitar with them all afternoon because their other guitar player was not around so uh and that was really cool it was like a combination gay gay pride grateful dead thing which as we've talked about rarely those worlds don't generally meet so um it's a really nice afternoon yeah how difficult is that to just to step in with some people you've never played before? Obviously, the same catalog, but different players. How difficult is that transition? In terms of the catalog, yeah, not so much. Although there's a, as we as we're discovering, just talking about this, there's so many different arrangements of stuff. But you know, generally, you can just when you're sitting in with the band, the approach you should really take is you're the guest, and you know, just sort of go along for the ride and take cues from people when they want you to step out and stuff like that. You know. So um, that band already has a lead guitar player. So we were basically two lead guitar players trying to do the weave. Garen, I, I got to know, what was, the, uh, what was the, the coolest deep cut to come out of those, uh, those recent multiple night stands? Uh, well, we did do Esau. I know that. That's like, you know. Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, we did On the Road again. Um, we did Crazy Fingers, which is not common for us at all. Um, you know. Stuff like that. Um, all right, sorry, I'm kind of grilling you here, Garen, but I've always wanted to know, how do, how do you play lead with another lead guitarist? Well, you need some very sensitive people to, to, to pull that off, as I know Marty knows. Um, you know, so it's basically the, uh, the right combination of personalities would be the, would the first way I would answer that question. You know, and it's a sensibility. You know, it's not... You really need to be steeped in this sort of whole approach, I think, to have three leads going on at once and have it work. I mean, there's an analog in like the Rolling Stones. They always talk about the weave, you know, Keith Richards and Ron Wood, and they do it to a degree where neither one is playing rhythm, neither one's playing lead, right? It's just they're sharing it throughout. People ask me like who my favorite guitar player is, and I always say Bob Weir, and everyone's like, what, why, you know, and because. As Jerry said, he was the only, he carved out his own, nobody sounds like Bob Weir except people who are copying him now, you know, but nobody, nobody, he, that's an absolutely original style that he came up with that's somewhere between lead and somewhere between rhythm. And essentially his guitar style alone is sort of the like analogy for how people should be playing together. Sometimes lead, sometimes rhythm. And Phil, and those guys always say you should be doing more listening than playing. You know, I don't know how often that actually happens, but that's, that's the goal. Brilliant. Thanks, Karen. Yeah, so uh, it's 3-3. This is uh, for the spot in the semifinals. Let's hear the song.
All right, the guesses are in. It was Big Railroad Blues at Hoffines Pavilion in Houston, Texas. On November 19th, 1972, Fall 72 show, and fucking hell, both these guys got it. Very impressive. We're going to overtime. Cooper, what tipped you off to 72, man? I just love the way that um, Jerry squeals on um, Alligator. I just think it's the best. It might be my favorite. I don't know. Um, but it's just, there's it's something there. I just love him. Now, I, I play bass. I'm not a guitar player, but it's like whatever pinchy thing that he's doing there. Um, I just love when he does that. Um, so there was that and Keith's keyboard being eloquent as always. And uh, the vocals didn't sound like they had any of that um, sort of lisp that they get from the, uh, the uh, you know, dual microphones of 73, 74. So I just thought I fall. I was going to say fall too, because it was, uh, it didn't sound like Europe 72, but it, it definitely was 72 through and through. Excellent breakdown, Cooper. Garen, you also got 72. Were you tempted by any other year? By the way, he just covered it. That's the aesthetic template for what we just heard, what Cooper just said. Um, initially, and then because it was, de- it's like I think of, I think I'm a little bit like hoodwinked by Europe '72 and its sort of glossy perfection. So a lot of times I associate '72. That's sort of like the template in my mind. But the reality is that because that, that was just so fucking raw, you know. And Jerry, like he said, digging in and just like. A little bit out of tune and just you know hitting strings so hard and it was great. It had that almost like a little remnant of their garagey kind of vibe, you know, which was great. Nice, nice tag team there, Cooper. Do you have a? Is your band still going? Or do you guys have any dates you want to plug or anything? Yeah, so it was more of just like I sat in with um, my friends. I will plug them absolutely, um, but uh, I, I haven't. Uh, you know, I'm not in a band actively. But that is um, two of my friends that I went to or. One of my friends I went to come with and her boyfriend, they are called King Bolit Band. They play um, all the time in the sort of just Connecticut area. Um, they're playing at Stella Blues in New Haven, which is coming up um, soon. And they also play down at Roadrunner, a bunch of spots in Fairfield County. Those guys rock. They've got it going on. It's my friend um, Sophia, who plays mandolin and clarinet. And then my friend Mike, who just um, can rip the jury leads and uh, and whatever else. So any, t- like any chance I get to... Um, to have to play with them. I love it. So uh, I'm not actively in a band. Um, would love to be. Um, all I really want to do is play dead music. So that's that. <laughs> all right. Overtime. I am out of songs. I'm going to have to go to my backup folder. Let's hear it. The joint was jumping, going round and round. Get out. Never stop driving till the moon went down. We go this down as I sleep. I had to take a chance. Guesses are in. It was around and around at the Greek Theater again on July 16th, 1988. Garen nailed it. 88. Uh, Motherfucker, man. <laughs> I can't wow. believe I got that. My God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cooper is um, slack jawed because, um, I mean, that's a hell of a pull by Garen. There's not a lot going on there. Cooper guessed 1982. So clearly it was a, it was a difficult one. Um, Garen, how did you pull an 88 there? Congratulations. I'm pretty impressed with myself. <laughs> I got to say, um, 
That's crazy. I mean, that was a really, if you intentionally, because when people play, it wasn't a great recording, right? It was hissy. It was a little distant. The band sounded sort of disorganized. It's not the vibe that I associate with that time period. So if you did that intentionally, that was pretty artful. Uh, because you know what I mean? It sounded to me like one of those like old hissy cassettes of like 83 or, you know, something like the wild woolly early eighties. But I heard that synth, that piano with the synth halo. So he plays the piano and then it goes. Oh, and I was God, like, I don't man. think they, I don't think they started doing that until it was like the very, very early MIDI. I, I, I just, said, I don't think I've guessed 88 on anything ever. So I was like, let's do that. Because 89 is like, gets to be super organized. And the 89 was just a super hot year, you know? And 87 was also very like, 88's like the ugly stepchild in a way. It doesn't get a lot of notice. Garen, hell of a pull. Congratulations, you're on to the semifinals. Cooper. Uh, well done. Yeah, what, what were you hearing there? Uh, so yeah, history recording, sort of shade recording. I was like, Mike wouldn't possibly do the same year as when what well, was the first one we started with, right? Was in eighty two, I think. I don't even remember. Uh, Doesn't matter. Like two days ago, yeah. Uh, it was in eighty two, yeah. But like you said, the synth halo at the end, which Brian did, yeah, a lot. That like especially like eighty nine, ninety. I was like, did I really just hear that? Because everything else, the recording was so shitty. Um, Phil was not as um, he was a little bit more not muddled, but like wasn't as clear as I was expecting from something from the later eighties. In the beginning, Brent just it didn't ha- he didn't have the same shimmer in his keys like he does you know late 80s where it's unmistakable so i thought again it was that damn carly miller dead piano and i was wrong because that 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 synth part that i heard um i shouldn't have lied to myself that was well done well done well done to you cooper hell of a run yeah thank you i appreciate it just a wildly entertaining show the true fulfillment of the promise of the tournament of champions hats off to everyone here dean marty nate garen cooper all of you guys are incredible i appreciate you doing it uh, yeah, and Garen, you're on to the next round to take on the winner of Heat number four. Thanks again for playing, fellas. For all the show links, including our YouTube channel, go to guesstheyear.net. And if you want to be a contestant on the show, sponsor the show, or make comments and ask questions, email us at info at guesstheyear.net. Thanks so much to Jocelyn for providing the prize pack. You can check out her art at Buy Jocelyn on Etsy. You can Google that, or you can just use the link in the show notes. Jocelyn, you rule. Thank you again. Thank you to Dylan for drawing the posters. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to the amazing tapers whose recordings made this show possible. Congratulations to Garen for moving on to the next round. And to our other contestants, thanks for playing. And remember, it's all one song anyway. And I bet you good night. Good night. Good night. And I bet you good night. Good night. Good night.